Hello, friends. My name is Steve, and I'm here today with author Chad Lutsky. He's the author of Cannibal Creator, which has been released on January 14th. Chad, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you inviting me on here to help get the word out about the book and whatever else. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'm sure you're, you've had a busy week. So mm-hmm. what is what is it like up to you know a week like this for you leading up to a book release? Is it what, what all do you have to take care of right before a book release? Um, I'm assuming you're talking about self-publishing because that's a whole different story. Yeah. Um, you know, something that with the small press or whatever depends on the press, sometimes you don't do anything, but I've, 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 I've had books released with presses where they have all of the, you know, they send all this stuff. They're like, <clears throat> contact this person, this person, this, you know, like a list of like 30 places, see if you can get on their show, see if you can do this. And then here's some other places, uh, you know, I got these blurbs for you and they kind of take care of that for you and push you. And, and that's Mm. nice. But um, when you're doing it yourself, like I did with cannibal creator and, and, you know, probably two thirds of my other, or probably three fourths of my other books. um, It's a lot of um, time spent, not writing and just, Mm. excuse me, hustling and um, you know, doing stuff like, Twitter and saying, Hey, can anybody help me get me on there, you know, on their podcast or radio show or YouTube channel or whatever. And you got to do a lot of that kind of stuff. And a lot of this necessary evil stuff where you're constantly sharing. I, I like to make little promo um, images in mm-hmm. Photoshop instead of just constantly uh, showing the same cover, you know, and I'll send those out on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And then, um, just uh, sending out, um, seeing who you think would be a, would like to read the book, who would appreciate mm. it, and then contacting them and see if they they were are interested in it. Uh, some of these people I send an e copy, and some of them I send um, uh, a paperback. You know, like if they have a huge following, like say mm. someone like Sadie Hartman, for example. Yeah. Um, I'll send her a paperback, and plus I'm good, really good friends with Sadie anyway, so. Um, but then, um, and then I, I send more e-copies than I do. Otherwise I'm, I'm just going to go broke sending uh, a ton of <laughs> paperbacks. So I don't have that kind of money to, to do that yet. Um, and then, um, yeah, just, uh, you know, do stuff like this and, and, um, try to, you know, sometimes I'll go on Twitter and I'll ask if people are interested, but the problem with that is sometimes you get a lot of people who just want a free book. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, sometimes I'll, 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 I'll try and feel it out and, um, and send that sometimes I never hear back from them and they don't, you know, leave a review or they didn't read it or I don't know. I get, I do get kind of leery because I don't want the Kindle copy floating around and end up being pirated, which the stuff is pirated anyway. So, but it just seems like it makes it easier. And if somebody I don't, I've never known that's following me or just saw the tweet is like, yeah, I'll, you know, send me a copy. Yeah. Um, I, I, I try to, but yeah, I try to sniff out if this person is just like, you collect free books and that's all you're doing. Or <laughs> are you really like interested in, in the theme of this? And are you interested in maybe trying to help an indie author out? So hmm. lots of, yeah. yeah, just in the, the promotional stuff, like the contest, I have the, the giveaway for the apron mm-hmm. going on. Um, and then I have to keep track of all that stuff. So yeah, it's a lot of um, doing anything but writing and a lot of stuff that I makes me uncomfortable, like sharing, you know, like mm. you, I shared what you 
tagged me in. Thank you, by the way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's like the third or fourth thing I was tagged in a day that I shared. And it's like, I hate doing that. But <laughs> I, and, and I just hope that my friends or followers on Twitter are just like, it's, I understand he's got a new book out. He's got to do this. Yeah. But and not like unfollow me or mute me or something. It's like, dang, is this all this dude's going to talk about? Is this yeah. stupid cannibal book? <laughs> but yeah, it's like you, you have to do it. But I try not to be obnoxious about it. Um, you know, and and unless uh, you know, if it's on Twitter, I don't like. I don't, with the exception of reaching out to certain people. And most of the people I reach out to are either people that I know have already read my stuff. That's normally what I do mm-hmm. if I'm going to reach out to somebody is if um, they've already read my stuff and they're like, oh yeah, I would love to. I usually don't hunt down um, people that have no idea who I am. I, I usually, yeah. I don't do that. Yeah. The self-promotion is so weird because I'm, I'm, I feel the same way. It just, you feel like you're, it's, it's, it's like an awkward feeling to self-promote and I'm not, an, I'm not an author, but it, it almost seems like the creative side because you spend all this time working on a book and then you have to switch gears from something that's like a solitary thing to telling the whole world about it. That must be kind of a chain, a weird change of pace. Yeah. It makes, it makes me feel like uh like a used car salesman, you know, yeah. like just this obnoxious guy that's, you know, <laughs> yeah. But like I said, it's a necessary evil. Um, and you, I mean, you got to do something. I don't have a publisher that's doing it for me. And, um, yeah. So. Yeah. So, Cannibal Creator. The title alone is is I catch it's, it catches your attention right away because the word cannibal gets a reaction from everyone, uh, mm-hmm. no matter what. So, what is Cannibal Creator about? Um, cannibal Creator is my homage to Italian cannibal films from the seventies and eighties, the ones that are filled with. Uh, you know, in, in my introduction, I called them a guilty pleasure, my only guilty pleasure. And I called it that because one of the things that most of these movies have in common is they kill animals on screen. Mm-hmm. So they're like these animal snuff films mixed with, you know, this, this uh, gore and with, you know, bad dubbing. And, and, but I really like the movies like Cannibal Holocaust is actually a really good movie. Mm-hmm. And I saw it for the first time when I was, I think I was 16. And I think, uh, yeah, and then I saw it again um, years later, like maybe two or three years ago, I saw it again. And I was like, wow, this is actually a really good movie. It's not just like for shock value. Hmm. And then I saw a bunch since then, and I just really like them. I like a, a lot of Italian stuff. And um, so this was my way of kind of paying homage to that. But so it's like that, but it's also nothing like that. Yeah. Um, because of the, the, things that I incorporate into it, but it has a lot of your typical stuff, you know, like the, the animal deaths in there. And then it has, you know, carnage and cannibalism. Um, and then of course people being stranded in a situation, you know, in, in this, you know, on an Island where they can't, uh, they have to try and survive. So all that kind of stuff is very typical. And mm-hmm. then everything else is, um, is not, I think it has a lot more depth than these films had. And, um, it's to me, it was, I wanted to make something that had more than just, more than just like a slasher, you know, yeah. have, have yeah. some drama in there and some, some characters that, uh, you were hopefully invested in and, you know, yeah. Well, it surprised me with how much 
how much I thought about it after because I just finished it earlier today. And thank you, by the way, for the opportunity to read it. For, yeah, for thank you arc. for reading it. And uh, there's a lot that I came away from thinking about after the book. And there's a lot of questions that it raised, I think, but in a subtle way. So mm-hmm. I always appreciate when uh, it's not an over, it's not to kind of shove it down your throat, these ideas and themes, and it's just really subtle and yeah. it's there. But if you just want a slasher, I guess you can take it as just a slasher, but there's a yeah. lot of, a lot of themes and ideas at play. And one of them that, that stood out to me after was the nature versus nurture mm-hmm. uh, idea of, you know, these, these cannibals that are on this island and they just don't know anything else. And the survival instincts of someone who has to survive versus someone who's just living their life and placed in a position where they have to survive. And how, how do they react and what do they, how do they handle that situation? I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it is. And, and it's something that um, I don't know if that's, I mean the 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 situations that people are in, yeah, it's like they're they're not really the enemy, they're not really the bad guy. Um, I mean they, they they sort of are, but kind of like don't know any better. Mm-hmm. And um, I liked toying with that idea. Yeah, well, mission accomplished there. And also <laughs> another one that came up to me was uh, scientific ethics, like ethics of scientific research and how far is too far. Mm-hmm. With science, and I think now we live in a world where everything is science based, and it's like you know, trust the science, but there's limits to what we should be doing with experiments yeah. and, and things like that. So, I thought that was really thought provoking as well, yeah. And there's no doubt that I mean, we, we're that there's stuff that goes down that we're not aware of, you know, yeah. uh, by the government, and um, and then other independent type you know, rich, I guess, rich people or, you know, like, uh, the Epstein dude, um, mm-hmm. weird things like that with his Island. And, but then, uh, government funded things with experiments. Um, I just, I, I think everybody without, without, you know, being labeled as some kind of conspiracy theorist, I think everybody probably, um, agrees that the, even though we don't know what these things are, that the government is definitely doing stuff that, um, that they don't want us to know about and you know for various reasons and some i don't know that this thing that happened at cannibal creator i don't know if that that would necessarily happen but um it seems like the kind of thing that uh you know it, it seems feasible like it you know you never know it could i mean they, they've, they've done some really weird uh inhumane social experiments mm-hmm. you know so who knows yeah, who knows? That's, that's another question was, is, you know, I think inevitably in these kind of stories, you always wonder, what would I do in that situation? Would mm-hmm. I, how would I handle it? You, of course, everyone wants to think they would be the, you know, they'd find a way to persevere, but who's going to be the, the you know, the who's in a panic, who's going to lose it, who's going to just lay down and, and take the, you know, take it. So right. I think all that's really uh, kind of, you wonder, well, how would I handle this if I was really thrown into that? situation yeah which is a hard question to answer under any circumstances i think if people are really truly honest um you know like i've got friends who are you know like gun owners like i don't own a gun i'm not against guns i just don't want them in my house i don't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. like that and um especially with excuse me kids i mean i've only got one kid still here living here and uh but i've just never felt comfortable with that and you have um 
like scenarios where um let's see like uh i lost my train of thought <laughs> i started talking about my kids and then i um uh gosh you don't feel comfortable I, having a, a gun in your house yeah but i i was going somewhere with it now i can't oh. remember where <laughs> what i was where i was going it has been a long day um yeah. <laughs> Did you ask a question or did I, uh, did you just make a statement? Oh, just a statement about survival and how you would handle a survival situation. That's what it was. That's what it was. I have friends, okay, who are gun owners and they're mm -hmm. like, if anyone broke into my house, I'd blow their head off. And I'm like, I, I don't think they're truly being honest. I think some of these people, they have that in them and they, they wouldn't even think twice. But I think your average person sometimes says stuff that, you know, I would do this and I would do this and... Um, the truth is that um, most of us don't know what we would do unless we are absolutely in that situation because then and only then do we have this clear perspective of what's really going on and yeah. what's in, um, you know, what's at risk here. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it always makes you wonder when, you know, what you would do. And, and after reading the book, I, I wondered, you know, cannibalism, it, it, it strikes reaction in you no matter what. And it's just one of those, one of those words that kind of gets you thinking. And I want, I looked up, I started looking up cannibalism and the history of cannibalism a little bit, just kind of, you know, Google search when I say I researched it, but mm -hmm. did you look into cannibalism before you started writing the book? I was writing a short story one time um, where I just had this old educated man, like professor type guy, historian. Um, I don't know if you're old enough to remember uh, like Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoons, they had this <laughs> guy that would always talk about his hunting expeditions. Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with that guy or not, but yeah. he would have trophies around and I think he'd smoke a pipe and he'd talk yeah. about these things. And I based this character on that guy where he's just, he's been all around the world and he's this, you know, intelligent, well-read historian. And this was this character that I had and this story started out as a discussion. And I wanted to find out some stuff about the the true discovery of America. Hmm. And so when I was looking that up, I found the carib in, in that the term um, where that came from and the cannibals and, and Christopher Columbus and all this stuff and, and how that was that that term was like penned back then hmm. when, when all of this was going on. And I thought, man, that is really interesting. And then it turned into a cannibal story where this this uh, woman comes to visit and they're having like a dinner party and she just happened to come back from this place where they practice cannibalism and there's different types. There's like the savage kind. And then there's the kind where it's, it's an insult if you don't partake mm. and that you are kind of like paying this homage to the person by eating them. And I think it's, I think the differences are called, I could be wrong, like, like endo cannibalism and, you know, exo cannibalism or something mm. like that. And um, I thought that's, and then, so yeah, the, so that's the only time that I've actually studied. I didn't do, um, I didn't do any research like when I was doing Cannibal Creator. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just did a quick Google search, but it, I, I found this site where it has all these different facts about cannibalism. And I didn't realize that in World War II, some Japanese soldiers actually ate, they ate prisoners of war during that time. Cause they were, they thought they would run out of food and they were trying to, they needed a source of food to survive. Mm. And there's lots of different types of cannibalism that I never even thought of, but it's such a, 
an interesting topic because it it has a you get that immediate reaction from that from that word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. It's um, especially I mean, even modern times, you know, we've got people like Jeffrey Dahmer and mm-hmm. uh, there was another guy. I believe it was an Asian guy who basically did this Craigslist thing, Craigslist thing where he wanted to eat someone. Or so this guy answered the ad and he's like, you can eat me. And it's uh, I can't remember exactly what happened, but it's a it's a crazy story. So yes, it's wild. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I I did appreciate too in the in the book that or in horror just in general when when things happen when the danger is there it's immediate and it, you know we don't have time to get relaxed it's just constant until the end of the story so I did appreciate that and I wondered. How, how do you get a reader invested in a character in a short book like this? How, what what tools do you use to get the reader invested in these characters? Because if, if it's just a bunch of characters you don't learn about before they're in danger, it's hard to get attached to them. Yeah. Um, honestly, I really don't know. I just take the, the best, the parts that interest me in a story and I write those mm-hmm. and I leave the fluff out. Um, it's just not for me. I don't really like to read that kind of stuff and I don't, I mean, I will, you know, Stephen King, for example, one of my favorite writers, love the guy's stuff, but um, he has a lot of that fluff in there. And, <laughs> you know, if you're reading like it, there's like three, 400 pages of it. And it's great writing. But for me, I just kind of want to, you know, it's like watching The Walking Dead. I mean, how many of us stopped when, you know, it's like, okay, I've watched really really crappy uh episodes like three in a row now i'm done with this stupid show you know and so when you're reading a book you are investing more time um than viewing a movie or something and so you could be slugging through all this stuff and so i just i avoid that and i try to um i guess say uh important bits without them being too uh, quick, I guess. I really don't know. It's not something I set out to do. It's just how it comes out. It's just how mm-hmm. I write. And the only thing I can think of is that um, I just write what what I like to read, you know. Or, or you know, I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to really answer that. I don't. I don't. I don't think there's anything special that I that I do or that I try to consciously do. Well, I I think the in the beginning of the book when we learn about the we get a feel for who the characters are and I felt like I was attached to them like I knew who they were I knew and you learn more as the story goes on but I thought that was uh, felt like you were invested in the characters so when they died when the characters that did die you it meant something it wasn't just throw away um, that's yeah. great to hear because that's like yeah. the most important thing for um, a story I mean yeah you. I mean, again, back to like film versus literature, film, you watch Friday the 13th or whatever, and you're there just to see the person get killed. You don't <laughs> care. And you're never going to care about any of There's no, none of that development. You know, you're there to see them naked, get high and to see them get high and then to see them get killed in, you know, unpredictable ways, gory ways. So, uh, but in a book, you need that because you're not, it's not a, the visual isn't there to, to help get you along. And you'd so you need much more than that. And um, I, I'm, I've always heard that people are constantly saying, you know, so much into this little book and that's great. Um, I don't know. There's, you know, how that's done. It's just 
just what happens, but um, whatever accident, you know, that I, that I, that I keep doing, uh, I'm thankful that it's, that's happening and that people um, see it like that. Yeah. And uh, what the introduction struck me too, because you mentioned that uh, ghouls and ghosts don't really scare you. It's what humans can do that scare you. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's what always scares me the most is story that, that I guess you can say disturbs me the most about horror stories is the, is the ones based on what could really happen rather than yeah. the supernatural force. So I thought uh, I agreed with you on that is that, that, you know, just look through history and the more, the most disturbing things you find in history are more, worse than any supernatural story you'll read or watch. Yeah. Yeah. Unless I, I mean, yeah, they don't, they entertain me. They just don't scare me. And I don't really write, to scare anyone is just mm-hmm. right to tell a story and if they get yeah. freaked out by it or scared well, you know okay yeah. but um but yeah but yeah they don't um that yeah that stuff i i i struggle with suspension of disbelief with a lot of that kind of stuff so um i guess it would be kind of like an atheist who um doesn't think the exorcist is scary that kind of thing it's mm-hmm. like, well, I, I, it scares the crap out of me, but I'm not an atheist, you know. I believe in, of, uh, uh, God and, and, the devil. So, you know, of course that scares the crap out of me. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> and is Cannibal Creator, uh, is it really different from your other work? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's um, I would say it's a lot different, but the reviews I've been seeing, they say both that it's different but that it's also uh got a a lot of the same elements a lot of the same kind of like heart heart and emotional type stuff in in it Mm -hmm. um which i guess i can't just get away from but not not that i tried um but i i didn't set out to write any kind of emotional thing you know just like i'm gonna write this you know story about uh people dying on an island via cannibals (laughs) and and then you know everything else i started putting in there but yeah, it's definitely, um, with the exception of a handful of short stories that I've written that are extremely graphic, um, it's not like any other like book that I've that I've written. Most of it's um, a little bit more heartfelt. Uh, a lot of the like drama, like dark drama in it, and more horror adjacent than actual horror. This is more. Like I said, with the exception exception of um, short stories, this is probably my most horror book. You know, where it's hmm. straightforward kind of horror, where everything else is yeah, just feels like either adjacent or kind of borderline or have horror elements in it rather than just being a straight up horror book. Yeah, and um, I, I also read that you're a big table games fan, so I wondered yeah. if you yeah. if you're what kind of games you like to play. Um, my favorite sad because since COVID I've, I had a weekly game group, but we've only met once in two years and we were oh, meet, wow. meeting every, every weekend, but my favorite then and still, and I haven't been able to play it in a couple of years is, uh, terraforming Mars is my favorite game hmm. probably of all time. I've played oh, wow. that ever since it came out. I have played that so many times and I'm always trying to get it to the, to the table, but I play lots of Euro uh games uh worker placement i don't like area control stuff so much but and i mm-hmm. like uh deck building games and um 
I love games that have trader mechanics or hidden movement mechanics in them. So, yeah. Oh. That's one thing that's really su- really suffered since the pandemic is those those events that you can get together with friends and enjoy those kind of things and yeah. can't do it anymore. It's really one of the most it's disappointing parts. But yeah, it's really, really unfortunate. And I wondered what, uh, do you have any plans to write in other genres? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I've, re- I've, I have a started a series, a crime noir series, hmm. uh, called the neon owl that's supposed to have the second book out by spring. And then I do have, um, kind of more, a uh, tragic romance slash drama. That's, uh, you know, my readership, um, has read it and, you know, it's not horror, but it's, it's so dark that it's, uh, like I said, horror adjacent, but I, I don't know that I would call it a different genre. Hmm. Um, and then, um, but I have, I have toyed around with the idea of writing something way outside my wheelhouse just to see if I can make money, you know, like, hmm. uh, like thrillers, you know, like police procedural stuff, you know, like thrillers or, um, I've even toyed with the idea of writing romance um hmm. as long as it was like wrapped in like drama too not like steamy romance or just harlequin type stuff but um something that feels a little but i wouldn't put it under the i would i would have a pseudonym for it <laughs> i don't want people getting confused and i would want to find the, an audience for that because hmm. horror just doesn't it's not unless you win the lottery and you're like uh Josh Mallerman, you know, you're not going to make, you're not going to make, I, I'm not setting out to, to be rich. I just would like to uh, pay the bills comfortably with yeah. strictly with writing. So um, horror is hard to do that with. It's really hard. Hmm. So I don't know. I try to put as many books out as I can. I have uh, like four, at least four coming out this year, which includes cannibal creator. So um possibly four more but at least three and um i would like to have yeah i would like to be able to release like five to six books a year and you know my stuff is fairly short um and that has everything to do with the way that i write um so uh yeah so it it doesn't take much to you know i wrote cannibal creator in i came up with the idea at uh in the very end of october and i was done with the book by the by the third week in November. Oh, wow. And I could have put it out weeks ago, but, um, you know, had to build some hype and make an ass of myself on Twitter first. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the uh, building hype, how did that cover come to be? Because it's very, it, it does match the the feel of the book, the retro feel that inspired you to write it. How did that Thanks. come to be? Thanks. Uh, I appreciate that. I had an artist in mind that I wanted to use. And when I talked to them, they quoted me uh, $800 for, to do a cover. And I had never paid even anything close to that amount before. And, you know, if that's what they're getting, I'm, I'm happy for them. They're, they're great, but I was not going to pay that. Yeah. Um, so I, I uh, just, you know, did what I did with a lot of my covers and just was like, well, I can't afford that. So I'll just go into um, Photoshop and, and make it myself. 
So it just, I, I wanted, you know, if you look at some of those older Italian um, things, you know, in older Italian movies and stuff, they have a lot of paintings and stuff on the cover. And since I couldn't do that, and while I am an artist and I am a painter, I don't have the type of skill where I feel like I could make a cover that I was personally happy with. So when I do my own covers, it's it's uh, like photo manipulation and trial and error and just hours spent in front of the computer. Uh, how would this look? How would this, you know, testing out fonts and and testing out different, you know, doing different mock-ups. And then I came up with that, what I felt was like a strong mock-up. And I showed it to a couple friends and I was like, wait, what do you think of this? I showed it to Keelan Patrick Burke too. And I was like, you know asked him about it and he thought it was cool. And, and then uh, once I finally did a cover reveal, yeah, people seemed to really like it. And then I knew I was going to make the back cover look kind of like a VHS tape, you know, with, mm. with uh, the, uh, the screenshots of scenes that are supposed to be in the movie. Yeah. And, you know, and then I put one of my friends, Bob Ford did tell me, he says, you know, it says a Chad Lutsky film. You might have some readers out there that are going to get confused. And I was like, <laughs> Probably, but they'll figure it out. I'm gonna leave it on there. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of neat just to have that that movie I thought it was feeling cool too. Yeah. It was. I felt like it was taking a chance, but I thought that there might be some people that's gonna confuse. But I think the majority of the people are gonna appreciate appreciate that. Yeah. So I and it, it, yeah, and it's funny. You don't really realize how much time must go into things like designing things like that until you're there in front of the computer trying to do it yourself. Yeah, like you said, the fonts and the colors and all that stuff takes a long, for me anyway. It takes a long time, and I'm not really good at it. So kudos for that cover. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, really, really, really cool looking cover. And are there any horror tropes that you love? Um, hmm. I mean, I I I'm a big fan of just the subgenre of coming of age. So mm. I like, um. Uh, kids on on some kind of challenging adventure mm -hmm. um you know facing something uh I, I nothing really stands out for me that um i i would like to read more haunted house stuff mm -hmm. i haven't read that much but it just you know i would also write, like to write one but i would absolutely have to come up with something that i felt was truly unique um instead of just writing a haunted house thing, it would have to be something. Yeah. That's like, Oh wow. This hasn't done, been done before. I hadn't thought of anything yet, but um, I would like to, to read more haunted house books that just really hit hard. Like uh, I read house of leaves a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it's, have you read that? Yeah, I did. I read it in October. It's uh, it's very, very pretentious, but yeah. it's also very, very genius. Yeah. And it really, it really um, did a great job at setting a tone. You know, when that guy is stuck in that house and the words are getting smaller on the page and fewer, and it it's, you know, made to give you this kind of claustrophobic feel. And that was, that was amazing. I, I, I want to, it's like I loved and hated it, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's just so much to read. I, I, I made sure I read every word. But I wanted to read it again this year, but I wanted to read the narrative separately as mm. as like two books, you know, split. And I've heard that um, people have done that before. I liked the, uh, I can't remember his name, 
Navidson or something. I like the the house story. Yeah. And just the the concept of why is my house, you know, different sizes when I'm inside and outside? That doesn't make any sense. That yeah. is so cool. And then, you know, uh, walls or openings appearing out of nowhere and then getting so lost, so deeply lost in your house. It's that's creepy. And and yeah, just the way that it was. I mean, the footnotes and everything that just felt excessive. And I was just like, all right, dude, we know you're smart. All right. (laughs) But um, yeah, that's but still at the same time as it was genius. But yeah, it it, it did feel very pretentious to me at the same time. But I think it's a great book. I think it's it's a a classic. And but I truly understand if if someone's like, oh, it's the worst book I've ever read. I get it. (laughs) Did you like it? I did, but I, I did feel like it was pretentious and annoying. Uh, but it's one of those books when you read it, you're annoyed and you you love it because the like you said, the text, the way it, when he's this claustrophobic, claustrophobic feeling, yeah, and the way they use the text is so it, it's such a great idea. Yeah. So there were times when I was like, wow, this book is just great, and then there's other times when it's like, I'm tired of reading about sound waves. Let's get on with the story. Yeah. But when you're done with it, and you look back on the whole experience. It's like, wow, that was really cool. That was really neat. Yeah, yeah. So it's, 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 it's tough. I'm glad I read it. Yeah, it's one of those uh, you don't really understand until you at least try to read it. It's one of those things you have to try to mm-hmm. get through yourself because it's hard to describe unless you've really gone through it. I'm also found that I'm a, a big fan of kind of like gritty crime noir Appalachian type stuff, like. Mm-hmm. Um, David Joy and uh, Bob Ford and, and John Bowden have written some stuff together that would um, that would fall into that category. Um, yeah, I like that. Almost like a yeah, just kind of like a um, small town crime kind of mm-hmm. stuff, and it gets gritty and lots of drama and and uh, chaos. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Sounds like. Uh... True detective kind of thing like that or a little bit a little bit and i was also i also read that you're a big fan of punk rock that you have like that punk diy yeah. let's get things done kind of and yeah. i i agree with that too and i was wondering what what bands stuck out to you with uh, punk rock um oh gosh minor threat the misfits black flag um circle jerks um actually have a circle jerks parody shirt that has the skink and circle jerks guy, but it's Nasferatu and it says oh, nice. Mosh Feratu. <laughs> That's cool. Um, uh, I, I, DRI, the accused. I mean, there's just, there's a lot, man. I, but th- those are probably my favorites. Um, I, I could name a bunch of bands that nobody's ever heard of before, but um, yeah, those are probably my favorites that would be, um, most popular I'm, I'm a big fan of crossover too like the accused and dri words like you know like thrash punk mix yeah. hardcore stuff do you listen to music while you write um i can't no i get too distracted if, yeah. if it doesn't have vocals and it's not like too groovy or anything you know if it's like a soundtrack then i can do that or maybe like some smooth jazz um that i can do that i have written before like uh, I wrote a book called Skullface Boy and I 
listen to everything that he was into, the protagonist was into at the time, mm-hmm. or if there were scenes that uh, he was listening to certain songs, then I would listen to that record. Um, it wasn't uh, it wasn't really hard because that book was such an easy book to write. It was one of the most fun times I've ever had writing. Hmm. That probably had something to do with it. But now I, I, yeah, I just get too distracted. And I don't know if that's because I'm a musician too. And so I'm constantly listening to just the notes and just taking it all in. And, and I can't, I can't get, you know, my head in the, in the book I'm writing while I'm doing that. Yeah. But if it's a, if it's a, something that's more of um, ambient stuff or, you know, the, uh, um, synthesizer stuff like john carpenter's got some cool uh, stuff that he's written for movies and just for outside of that outside of being the soundtrack i i like that so you uh play music as well yeah mm-hmm. what, uh, what instruments do you play guitar oh, nice. and, I, and i'm saying for some bands if you want to call it singing yeah really you sang too yeah <laughs> where can we find it <laughs> um in my house basically oh, okay. because i haven't been in a band in a long time so a lot of this stuff is on cassette and i have some stuff on actually i've been working on a song um i finally took the time to learn to use my mac and garage band i already had mics and home recording equipment and interface and all that i finally but i finally um like last month took the time to learn how to use it and yeah. i wrote a quick song that turned out to be a song that I love and um, I just grabbed a book to to try to come up with some lyrics, a book of mine to try to come up with some lyrics. And then after I wrote the song, I thought maybe I'll just write a whole like EP or a little concept thing based on this book and then release it as kind of like a soundtrack. And I have, I have somebody um, actually a, a book reviewer who is an excellent drummer that had, he's kind of like the catalyst for this. Cause he said, Hey, if you ever want to like throw some riffs at me or whatever, like through the internet, you know, and record like remotely, um, I'd be into that. And I was like, yeah, that'd be really cool. Cause I don't play my guitar much cause I'm writing and promoting and stuff. So then I got to thinking and then I messed around with GarageBand and I was like, well, if I'm going to send him something, I've got to learn how to use all this <laughs> stuff and, and use my mics and my, my interface. And so I did. And then, and then I, I gave him more probably than he bargained for as much more than a riff is an entire song. So <clears throat> he's supposed to be, it has drums, it has good drums on it now, but I think he's supposed to be, um, they're more of a suggestion and then hopefully he will lay whatever. And, and maybe this is something that we'll do together. If not, I'll, I'll do it myself. And, um, yeah, I, I was going to post the song on my Patreon page and, uh, sometime soon. Cause it's, pretty much done but it's without it's with drums but it's without the person's drums that are they're going to be on it wow, but he's a cool, cool guy i don't know him in real life he's a book reviewer drummer and um yeah cool dude oh that's awesome right on we'll have to keep an eye out for that <coughs> excuse me and uh when did you start playing guitar when i was 16 so a long long time ago <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A real long time ago. And the speaking of hobbies, was there ever a hobby or, or something something that you really wanted to try, but once you tried it, you didn't like it? Oh man, that's a good question. I always wanted to be a painter, and I kept giving up because I couldn't understand the concept 
because I was always drawing with ink or pencil. And then all of a sudden he's got, I've got these colors and it didn't make any sense. So when I was going to shade something, I would just pick up black, you know, and I didn't understand, <laughs> I didn't understand colors. And then I would quit. I'd stop. And then a couple of years would go by and I'd pick up a paintbrush and paints again and I'd try it again and it just wasn't working. And I never did hundred percent give up. Um, and then eventually I did learn how to paint with acrylic and, and watercolor, but I don't know that, uh, I don't know that I can think with the exception of like when you're a kid, I think most kids, they pick up an instrument that they put down soon after, you know, like you, you're, you're in elementary school and you're like the, in the school band, like I played coronet and I pay, I played violin and I don't know why I did them. I don't know. I I just always wanted a guitar because I was in I wanted to be Gene Simmons or I wanted to be Mick Jagger and, and, uh, my my parents wouldn't give me a guitar, so I had to settle for other stuff that was not filling that void. <laughs> so, <laughs> other than um, those things, I don't think uh, I, I can't I can't think of a, anything that I picked up as a hobby and then put down because it sucked. I can't really think of anything. I mean, there's video games like you know that that you know like well that game sucked. Yeah. I might as well just go back and play World of Warcraft because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this game is not doesn't compare to it that happens all the time yeah so what, what are some of your favorite games to play video games i very rarely play but i used to be i used to be a gamer uh pretty hardcore up until uh, maybe up until like soon after right before xbox 360 is around the time that i before that came out was right around the time that i stopped because I discovered um, MMORPGs and I played yeah. EverQuest for a couple of years. And then at the end of that, World of Warcraft came out. And so maybe this was before even the first Xbox. World of Warcraft came out and then um, I played that for six years. And then I still play it, but it's more like I'll dink around for a couple of weeks every like six to seven months or something. And then I get bored and... Um, and then I stopped playing. So I don't really, I've, the only games I've played in the past, probably five years would be like, I, I did end up playing Red Dead Redemption 2 for a while. And then I played a game with my wife that was co-op called The Two of Us, I think it was called or something. Or mm. um, There's two of them we played. One of them we beat. It's about two dudes that are in prison and they meet and they got to break out. Oh yeah, I forget the name of it, but I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we beat that one, and then we started another one where it's two parents who are getting a divorce, and they turn into dolls, and they have to try to get out of it and save their marriage, and and then their daughters in the house alone, and it's pretty cool though. Hmm. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I think uh, MMORPGs. I'm surprised that they've they've dipped in in popularity it seems like they're not as popular as they were back you know maybe 10 years ago because they are really right. they, they can be addictive oh my gosh yes yeah, yeah i was <laughs> yeah i was pretty addicted to world of warcraft man and everquest yeah it, it's hard to one of the reasons why i don't play is just because i you know i write now and so i just don't have time and i know that i won't write if i if i dip into that or, or it'll take away from my writing time anyway yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you know, 
I, I lost lots of hours to Dark Age of Camelot. I'm not sure if you ever tried it, but oh man, yeah, I played yeah. that for a while. Yeah, 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 many many hours dumped. Nobody ever talks about that one, yeah. and that's still around. I think so. I'm afraid to look. I'm afraid to even <laughs> go there because I don't, don't want to get sucked in again. I don't have time I, for that. I stuff hear anymore. you. It's weird yeah. that it's it's still around, and same with the original EverQuest because there are some games that. I enjoyed that aren't around like Warhammer online. I think mm-hmm. it was called. And um, that did not last long at all. And there's, I mean, I'm sure there's a private server. I think there is a private server that you can play somewhere. Star Wars galaxies was another one that didn't seem to be around for very long. That's not around, but yet you've got games. Yeah. Like dark age that uh, somehow they're, you know, <laughs> paying the bills and people are still playing. It's amazing. And uh, I, I used to know a guy who played EverQuest. He was a stay-at-home dad. And all he did was play EverQuest, sell his account, and then he started another account. Sell I've done it, that, that's, I've done that with two yeah. different uh, EverQuest accounts, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you made decent money doing that too. Surprised. Yeah, I've, I've made a couple hundred dollars yeah. doing that. It's Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, I think th- the first time I did it, I was like, I gotta stop playing this game, and then I found out people were selling their accounts. I was like, I could use another hundred fifty bucks, yeah. you know. And so I did that. The problem is with those games, you often tend to like kind of go back to them, and then you're like, man, I wish I had my old account. Yeah, because I've I sold a uh, a World of Warcraft account too in the first year that I played it, hmm. and I maxed out uh, an alliance character, which I don't, I can't believe I did that because I can't stay in alliance, but. Um, and I ended up selling that. I regretted it later on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't. I haven't sold those. I, I, that would. This was like, I think WoW's been around what fifteen years. So this was probably thirteen or fourteen years ago that I sold any kind of account. Wow. I didn't even know if you could still do that now. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm surprised so many players still play World of Warcraft. It seems like they still have a pretty good following. They do, but they're. I think. Um, I think that the one that's played the most right now is Final Fantasy. I believe. Mm. Oh wow! But yeah, I'm. I'm big into. I like. Actually, I did spend a lot of time this last summer playing DayZ. My son introduced it to me, and I played. I played with him a lot. That was a lot of fun. I like survival type games, and anything that has like crafting and survival is is fun. Or like stealth i'm big on stealth so games like splinter cell and uh siphon filter and metal gear solid um where you have to sneak around and, and or a thief yeah 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 with i the, love that kind yeah. of stuff yeah with the water arrows when you used to the yeah, back man. in the day yeah, yeah the water arrows you had to shoot the lights out and stuff yep. yeah in the, in the vine arrows you shoot a wall and vine grows up and you climb it yeah That's pretty- <laughs> i love that game yeah, it was a good one. It was a good. It's doesn't get talked about much anymore, but at the time yeah. it was a big deal. Because mm-hmm. you had you would you have to avoid fights. You didn't want to get into a fight because you most yeah most of the time would die. Yeah, sneak at some dude's bedroom at night and steal his his jewelry or something. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, those were the days, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It, MMOs are a whole nother thing, but yeah, it's. And uh, being such a big music fan, uh, what was your favorite live show that you've been to? Um, uh, it was, um, <clears throat> well, if I'm real honest, the, the I've been to a lot of local shows. 
And the most fun I've ever had, with the exception of maybe one concert, the most fun I've ever had was at a live show in my hometown with a local band. Hmm. Uh, whether my band was playing or not, um, there's something different um, about that. It's much more intimate. And of course, these are all punk rock shows, so there's you have this energy that's just contagious. Mm-hmm. But um, outside of that, the best concert that... Um, that I went to, I went to go see Dio in Colorado in 86 and Van Halen was playing too. And I, I, I wanted to see Van Halen, but I went there really to see a Dio and Van Halen uh, just blew everyone away. Hmm. And to this day, that's the best concert I've been to. And it had nothing to do with Dio. There could have been no other bands there. It was all about Van Halen. I couldn't believe it. Wow. Yeah, that was and yeah, it was a special moment too. Cause I was with my dad who I was just starting to have a relationship with. And, um, the, the, the people that we were around, it, it felt like a very, cause I had moved out to Denver to stay with him. And I, I, I'm from Michigan and the atmosphere in Denver was a lot different than, than it was in Michigan. It was just a little bit more, um, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe it. Just, uh, there wasn't the oppression that I felt in Michigan. Michigan, Michigan's a great state. It's beautiful. But as a teenager, um, I wanted something that felt a little bit more like a bigger city. It felt mm. something that felt more alive. It made me feel more free. And Denver did that. So it was kind of like this perfect storm of, you know, there's a lot of different things that, that attribute to that being my favorite concert. And it wasn't with David Lee Roth, who mm. is a great front man. I think David Lee Roth is awesome. He's, he's a super interesting person. If you ever listened to, I've read his book. If you ever listened to him um, talk in an interview, uh, so much can go right over your head. And he's so charismatic and he comes up with this, just this wild stuff. It's like, how did you, how do you, how did you get this vocabulary? And, but he's like a Renaissance man, you know, he's like, um, he's lived in Tokyo and trained in, you know, under these, um, senseis or whatever he's and and he's he's good with his sword and he's a black belt and and then he after van halen he's like i'm gonna be an emt and then he goes to new york city and he he's an uh emt there for a couple of years wow and um and then he got into rock climbing and did all this rock climbing stuff and he's just and then he got dropped off in like the amazon for a long time and lived out there in the jungle with some people and it's just like man that dude is really interesting but the con but this was when sammy hagar the 5150 tour and so hmm. when i tell people i s- saw that that was my best show but it was not with Eve Lee roth it's like wow really sammy hagar was that great yeah yeah he was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have an album that you'll never get tired of listening to um several but um, I've kind of deemed The Cure's Disintegration as my favorite mm. album of all time, probably. Oh, good choice. Yeah, nice. I, I love that record. I don't. I try not to listen to it too much because I don't ever want to ruin it. Yeah. But um, but so I, I only listen to it maybe a, two, three times a year, mm. all the way through. Um, just yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. I I have great memories attached with it. I just kind of don't want to taint. I don't ever want it to get old. Yeah. So yeah, I really, really, cause I, there's been records that I've just 
loved so much and i played them so much it's like i, I could go probably my rest of my life without hearing that record again and i don't know what that happened to disintegration yeah that's awesome uh so everyone who i talk to i have a couple of questions i try and ask everyone so okay the first question is if the zombie apocalypse happened today what would be your weapon of choice um probably one of those samurai swords like uh michonne has which everybody should have on that show and it's stupid that they don't (laughs) but yeah probably something like that it's got the reach and um i'm sure it'd be easy to sharpen that i don't know how much you would really even need to do that those zombies they seem to be pretty squishy it's so easy to get to their brains it's like their skulls made of nerf or something i don't know (laughs) really soft probably probably uh yeah just a samurai sword or some kind of pole arm that's lightweight that i could just poke them in the eye with (laughs) so the last one is uh uh, what was your first job uh technically my dad owned a pharmacy my uh and he uh i worked there when i was 15 and but it was like I kind of don't count that because it's my dad. It was his store. It's like, of course, I'm going to work there. Yeah. But my so past that, when I went to Colorado um, or when I moved there, I got a job at um, uh, Burger King. <laughs> that sucked. Yeah. <laughs> Fast food is something else, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's it's, tough. It's, it's, I was not prepared either. I didn't know that standing up for eight hours felt like that at the end of the day. Yeah. I think you you don't really think of that stuff until you're there having to do it. Then it's like, yeah, oh, this really sucks. Yeah, it does. And the people there at those places always suck. There's just everybody's stoned. And and uh, I remember at the time I was like trying not to do that anymore. And everyone's stoned or there's drama going on and it's a revolving door. Yeah, I hate those places. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I know you're you're a busy guy. So I want to thank you for making the time to come by and tell me about Cannibal Creator and some other yeah. some other topics. So thank you. Uh, if someone wants to connect with you, where's the best place to find you? Uh, you can just go to chedletsky.com and there should be links for everything, whether it be books or my Amazon page or uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that all that kind of stuff. Everything's there. And you do have a giveaway for Cannibal Creator for an apron. Is that right? Yeah. If um. Right now, it's up for pre-order. The, the paperback has been out for like 10 days now. But the Kindle, and that kind of happened on accident. I wanted to do a very quiet release so that I could get some paperbacks in the hand of reviewers. And then on that, on that first day, people were like, Cannibal Creator's out. And they're <laughs> showing pictures of it and stuff. So, uh, um, so that didn't work out. And so the paperback's available now. The Kindle's up for pre-order, and that comes out on the 14th of January. And um, uh, the if you send me like proof of purchase through email, which is, or you could send it to me a message through uh, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or something, like a screenshot of your order. Um, my email is chad at chadlutsky.com. But if you send that to me, then I'll put your name in the hat for this drawing for a, a like a barbecue apron, high quality, and it's got the cover of Cannibal Creator on there. It's awesome. It's hilariously awesome. Yes, fits, it is. Fits the theme perfectly. And um, if you post a picture on Instagram or Twitter 
and tag me in it of your of your new paperback book when you get it um then i'll you can get another entry in there and i'll draw a name on the 21st of january awesome yeah fingers crossed that i get to barbecue with the cannibal creator apron (laughs) soon (laughs) so so i will leave all those links down below and uh so everyone go out and get cannibal creator it's a great book and uh all worth your time so Thanks again, Chad. I really appreciate you taking the time to come and chat and tell me more about the book and your process. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Thanks again.